an inside look at the restaurant industry and entrepreneurial insight to help you succeed. It's the Paper Trails Podcast with Albemarle Paper Supply. What's going on, guys? How are you? We are back for the Paper Trails Podcast. I am your host, Nick Caligari-Mitros. Super pumped to have you guys uh, you know, plugged in, whether it's via YouTube, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, doesn't matter. We are pumped to have you guys on. We have another guest on our podcast. We've got Chef Sam Diminich. Diminich, is that right? That's right. All right. So, you know, I mean, you know how it's the it's the neighborly uh, Italian Greek. You know, it's you know we know how to pronounce our last names. Caligarimitros. It's a flow. Diminich. It is. It's a flow. So. Uh, welcome back, episode twenty-seven uh, of the of the of the podcast. We're excited to have you guys uh, here with us, and uh, I'm super pumped to let you guys in on a a a gem of uh, of a person. Uh, I've met uh, Chef Sam here uh, through some mutual friends a couple weeks ago when we uh, set up a time to, to to chat and tell his story. And he has got an unbelievable story. I think maybe last week or two weeks ago we spoke and um, just about. Just about uh, work ethic and success and overcoming and figuring stuff out. And, you know, this was 7 o'clock at night, and I was getting fired up in my office at, at my house. And I'm like, dang, this is going to be a good episode. I'm like, I can, I can already feel it. So, um, anyway, I'm, I'm very excited uh, to have him on and, and, and tell his background and his story. And, um, and then just like I do, you know, we will pull and extract, you know, all of the, of the principles, you know, so... Whether, uh, you know, you're uh, you're figuring stuff out, you're 16, 17, 18 years old, you know, trying to find a career path or if you have an interest in food or if you want to be a chef or if you own a food truck or if you own a landscape business, doesn't matter. doesn't matter. You can, success principles are the same. And so you've got to just apply those basic fundamental principles and that hard work and that commitment and discipline and um, you too can figure some stuff out and make sure you live a, a prosperous, healthy, and amazing life. And so, uh, Sam, super pumped to have you on. Thanks for hanging with us um, and the Paper Trails podcast. And so let's let's start off from the beginning, from the beginning. Where are you from? How did you grow up? Tell us about your, your origin, your family, kind of the whole thing. You know, how did, you know, uh, dad or gramps, how, how, how did he come over from uh, from Italy? You know, give us, give us the backstory. Sure. Thanks for having me. This is great. Um, so, originally from Myrtle Beach. Okay. Uh, third generation restaurant family. Um, my grandfather came from Trieste in 19, maybe 50, 51, something like that. Um, met my grandmother. I'll give you the clip done version. But met my grandmother at a USO event. He had enlisted uh, in Washington, D.C. And okay. they settled back down south. Uh, and then they found their way to <coughs> Little River, South Carolina. Okay. Which is a couple miles north of Myrtle Beach. Yeah. Um, they did what a lot of, um, people did back then and still do, you know, they, they, they were, um, ambitious, you know, and they worked and they saved and they eventually bought a building that was once a bed and breakfast in the heart of Myrtle beach uh-huh. and they turned it into an Italian restaurant. Nice. So the, yeah, so it was a cool story. They lived above the, the restaurant and below was the kitchen, the dining rooms and the bar. So no rent. <laughs> save save money. I mean, it's classic immigrant thing. I mean, you know, and that's that story is a pretty uh, common. Same thing with, with my dad. He came. He's the oldest of six. Um, you know, we came from a very poor family. My grandfather's uncle had a drive-in restaurant in West Virginia, and my dad came and 
used to, you know, uh, you know, feed and 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 pour coffee to all the coal miners in West Virginia going to work at three, four o'clock in the morning and he'd work until the dinner shift and clean the parking lot before he left and go home and sleep for a couple hours and saved up for seven years and bought a portion of that restaurant and then sold it and moved down. I mean, so it's it's kind of the class, you know, just you come here for an economic opportunity and you work your face off and spend no money and you eat right. at the restaurant, you know, and um yeah, I mean, it, it, I loved everything about it, and um, it was cool. You know, I, I don't remember my grandfather very much. Uh-huh. You know, my grandmother was with us for a long, long time, um, but the stories were legendary. I love that. Legendary. Yeah, I mean, even like even me as a kid growing up, and when I was able to work with my dad and cook in the kitchen, um, say, for example, if I dropped a, a half a lemon in the garbage can. <laughs> <laughs> you know the deal, I, right? I know exactly. <laughs> Why are you wasting that? What's going on? <laughs> yeah, he's like, get your ass in there and get me get my lemon out. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's your tuition right there. What do you think? You know what 100%, I mean? 100%, yeah. 100%, you know, or, mm-hmm. or washing what you can or reusing what you can. So yeah. I get it. I get it. So so you grew up in Myrtle Beach, all right? So you, yeah. you kind of grew up in, in the restaurant? Absolutely. So from mm-hmm. a young age? From the beginning. Like... Yeah. Yeah, like, they weren't <laughs> skip the labor laws. <laughs> yeah, there are no labor. Yeah, and uh, when 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 you're from Europe, there are no laws. Okay, there are no laws, right? Yeah, you're. Uh, you know, I remember as a kid, just picking up the pitchers, the tea and water pitchers from the table. The bu- the busboy would come clean everything up. You know, leave the tip, have the pitchers there. I would just uh, the only thing I would do is just grab the pitchers and bring in the back. That's yeah. all, that's all I did. Yeah. At seven years old, nine years old. So yeah, and there's va- there's so much value in that. It really is. And you, like you're a part of something, you know, um, you learn hustle. Yeah. We learn work ethic. 100%. Um, you know, and, and so that was the family way. And so that's just what we did. I'm one of five kids. Nice. I have four sisters. And we all, and all of our friends, all worked in the restaurants. We had, we had several at one point, but nice. we all worked in the restaurants. We were, we were waiters. We were busboys, uh, dishwashers. You know, I'd stand on a milk crate or a glass rack. You know, and um, and I to me that was the coolest thing ever. It's like it's just where I wanted to be, and like the restaurant, for example. Let me kind of set the room. Okay, um, loud music, always. No chef coats. Okay, we, we were shorts, hat on backwards. We were beach people. Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah, yeah, and yeah. um, and <clears throat> so loud music, and then uh, and there were no, there was no POS system, of course. Yeah, written dupes, and so in between tickets and tables. Yeah, uh, there was a basketball court out back. So there was always, you know, <laughs> potential for a three-on-three game. I love that. Yeah, yeah. And like next to next to the basketball court, you know, was uh, you know my uncle's fishing boat, you know, and then next to that was um, the the butcher shop that we had, nice. where we would break down legs of veal um, or whatever came through our way. Nice. And um and so that was, I mean, that was. There's so much to that, you know, and it should have never changed. Like that should stay the same, I think, you know, but. Um, you know, as we all know, times have changed, but, uh, the value that I found in that was, um, I found a calling, I found a, a sense of belonging, Sure. you know, and obviously, you know, the work ethic, the hustle, um, and most importantly, the hospitality, you know, we love to take care of people and that has never changed for me. We love to take care of people. Do you think that's like a, do you think that's like an immigrant thing? Like, like my dad to this day does that, like. My friends will come over to the house, and it's like, "What can I get you? You want some coffee? You want some like some Greek pastries?" So like, it's like, like it's almost like a disrespect. I don't know how. I mean, I'm sure it is the same thing in Italian. Like, if you go, especially ba- if you're in Greece and you're visiting, you got to drink something. You have to eat. So like, 
something, something like even like a little look up orange juice or something. It's yeah. like, um, yeah, you think just that like big heart is like part of, you know, what, why do you think that is actually? I mean, what, uh, you know, I think that's a, um, a sense of community that's instilled in, and, uh, you know, my grandfather for sure, my family for sure. Yeah. He wasn't from here. Yeah. You know, he didn't, he didn't, he'd never seen so much of his experience here was new to him. Yeah. You know, and I, and I know that, um, that, so he embraced that, but also yeah. embraced where he came from. Yeah. You know, and, um, and so I think that that's the, uh, best of both worlds within a restaurant atmosphere. You I know, like you that. Get, so it was, so we had an Italian restaurant, you know, in a very Southern town, sleepy beach town back then it was. Yeah. 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 Anyway, you know, so we got to offer what he knew, you know, and then, um, also have an opportunity to, to meet new people, be very disarming. He was a very charming man. Um, they both were, yeah. uh, you know, in, in two very different ways. He was very Southern, um, with Southern hospitality and, and he was very gregarious and out, you know, and, and just, funny and he would drink wine and and um more people came in the back door than they did the front door you know what i mean like don't you dare go in the you know what i mean if you lived yeah. in myrtle beach we you know obviously it was a tourism uh based economy but if you live there don't you dare walk in that front door you better come in the back door and that way you can see everybody and say yeah. hi and yeah you know and then we'll you know we'll pour your glass of wine in the back and then take you to your table and then you can enjoy your experience nice mm -hmm. so how did so uh from there from there how did you uh you know, how'd you end up being a chef? Like, what? Well, how to, you know, give us a story. Yeah, okay. So, um, so I just worked for my dad. Okay. You know, that's just what we did. That's what we were expected to do. Sometimes yep. I got paid, sometimes I didn't. Most yep. times I didn't. Yeah. And, um, <laughs> and so, you know, it's time. I mean, listen, we got paid. We just lived at his house. Like, yeah, that was, it. like, that, that was us that's getting it. paid. <laughs> that's it. My dad has this joke, and I've heard it like way too many times, but, but whenever we would ask him, First of all, he kept all his money in his pocket. Like, okay. there was no cash register. There was none of that shit, right? Like, if you wanted something from him, it came through him. And he's a big man. So, um, yeah. So, anyways, he used to say, uh, we'd ask him, hey, Dad, can I get paid for a night? And he would look at, like, what? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, What did you just say? What? Paid for what? You yeah. know what I mean? Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, I paid for the roof every day. Yeah, <laughs> I paid yeah, the water exact, bill or whatever. Exactly. <laughs> but anyway, he would always say, um, yeah, I made a deal with the bank. Um they wouldn't sell spaghetti, and I wouldn't give out money. <laughs> oh, my goodness. <laughs> I was like, oh, man. You know, I mean, you just knew it was coming. And that went on for years and years and years. But, um, you know, back to kind of the beginning of my journey was I was a high school kid washing dishes. Kay. I was surfing. Okay. Um, I was smoking pot. You know Kay. what I mean? Just being a beach bum. Yeah. And, um, and I think, you know, that's one thing that I'm super grateful of my dad for is, like, he kind of saw that coming. And so when the time was right, uh, he got me a job in this French slash Southern restaurant and uh, hotel type scenario. Yeah. And um, with a colleague of his. Okay. And so anyway, so I, was, I, I always felt like I was like I got traded like an athlete in professional sports. <laughs> or something, you know what I mean? Like. Like, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. I came in the back door at his restaurant one day. He was like, yeah, you don't work anymore, man. Yeah. <laughs> you're, you're across the street. Yeah. Yeah. And you need a chef coat. And, um, and so anyway, so, so that's what I did. What and was that like? Just like getting into a different environment. I mean, coming from family, pops, like brothers, sisters, you know, playing basketball to now it's like, well, yeah. this, this is, this is another league. Yeah, it, it really was. And, um, I fell in love with it, but before all that, like. I just graduated high school. That was uh, after my junior year, and so I graduated in summer, and um, and so I graduated in July, 
and I had no plans for college. Like there was no college visits. I yeah. took the SAT once. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I had no aspirations of going to school. I just thought I'd I would just keep on doing what I'm doing. Yeah. Um, you know, let the chips fall kind of where they may. But um uh my dad was like, Yeah, you're gonna go to culinary school. You can go to community college. And so uh so next thing I know, I'm I'm enrolled at community college in the culinary program. Okay. And I have this job at a place called the Sea Island Inn, working for Mike McKinnon. Okay. Mm-hmm. And and there was uh, a cool it was a cool template. The menu changed every day. Everything was from scratch. So for the first time in my life, uh, I'm seeing freshly baked bread. I'm seeing field stock. I'm seeing, um, you know, fish butchery, whole fish butchery, um, you know, from the top to the bottom and pastry, all that. And, you know, like I have this one memory (laughs) of having fresh basil and tomatoes. I think it was probably a tomato, mozzarella and basil salad, like a really classic combination. Yeah. And I and I then right then and there, I knew. I knew that this is where I was supposed to be, and uh, I didn't know I'd be, I'd be doing this forever. You know what I mean? Just, yeah. Just a kid, but you knew right then and there, like it felt right. It felt right. Yeah, I was home. I love that. Yeah. So I'm assuming you learned a ton there at, yeah. at school. No. 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 Not at, not at that school. <laughs> what, no. No. Okay. Now back up a second. Did you learn a lot at that first hotel? French restaurant, like was definitely. that like a big learning curve? Definitely, definitely. Uh, I mean, <clears throat> I, I was in love with it. Uh, you know, first of all, I was a horrible student. You know, I didn't care. You know, what I mean, I just wasn't interested. So for the first time in my life, like I wanted to know more about that marinade. I want to know more about uh, those peaches over there and, and why we have peaches in the summertime. You know, what I mean, like I was yeah. just, the wheels were just spinning. And um, you know how, you know how do you how is that? How do you do that Carolina gold rice over yeah. there? You know, what is it all about? Because it looks different. You know, yeah. Carolina gold is a shorter grain with um, some broken grains attached to them. You know what I mean? So there yeah. were all these experiences and, and, and questions, and and I, I was just I fully immersed myself for years, for many, many years in that restaurant with that chef. And he was a madman, but he was a good one, um, you know, to learn as much as I could. You know, and I got to eventually work all the stations. I was promoted to sous chef, and um, – yeah, and then uh, all while I was going to school. So you were there for how long? At the Sea Island Inn, uh, you know, at least gosh, three or four years. Okay, mm-hmm. so you you built a, a solid foundation there. Mm-hmm. So then you were going to school while working there, mm-hmm. and school yeah. not not so much learning. Not not well. Here's the thing: is like I I was a product mm-hmm. of my environment. Yeah, you know, and I didn't have you know I didn't I didn't have fundamentals. I didn't know how to cook. Yeah, you know. So whenever I got to school. Um, I was exposed to a certain degree, but, uh, but then again, I was just a student, you know? And, and so, you know, being in an environment like that, uh, with, you know, fellow students that have, are, are more advanced, you know, it, it gets kind of, um, uh, you know, it, it gets kind of rough, you know? And, and so, uh, so I remember many, many times being told or ragged on or roasted, you know, that I should find another occupation, that this isn't what I should be doing. You should mm. be a plumber you know, or, or try accounting or something like that, because, uh, you know, I just couldn't, you know, there was a, there was a period there where I was, I was just still learning and, you know, and all the, all the, all of this in front of me was very, very new, you know, and I didn't have the tools or skill set, right. Mm. Um, you know, to apply myself to what, what was before me. So what's the next chapter? What, what, what happens after that? So you're in school, mm-hmm. you're doing that thing, you're working three, four restaurants, you have this amazing, I'm assuming mentor in this, in this, you know, executive chef, he's kind of showing you the ropes. You're building a foundation. Right. Right? Yeah. What's uh, what's next? Well, I'm, I learned quickly a lot. 
you know, and, and that's I have uh, an immense amount of gratitude for the family that owns that restaurant uh-huh. and the chef himself. Uh-huh. Um, so I graduated community college somehow, some way, and um, you know, and kept continuing uh, my role as sous chef at, at the Sea Island Inn. Okay, there was a cooking competition uh, that came around. Uh, it was called Taste of the Tidelands, and I think by this time it's. 95 96 in and around there okay and so and there was a there was a sous chef competition as well so there's there's the competition then there's a junior chef <laughs> slash sous chef competition all right and so first place in that competition uh is one semester paid for at the culinary institute of america okay mm-hmm. so you entered it i entered it one nice mm-hmm. were you expecting to win uh, like, like I can't say yes or no, but I was hoping I would. You know what I mean? So, like, did you think that you had a chance? Like, were you like, you know what? Like this, this is possible. Like, probably I, not. Probably not. You were like, you know what? This would be a good experience. Let me mm-hmm. kind of sp- scope it out. See what this competition is about. Yeah. Do you remember? Do you remember what you made? I don't. I really don't. But you won. I won. Yeah. And uh, the dean of students was one of the judges, Ferdinand Metz. Uh huh. Yeah, uh, uh, he's the dean of students at, C- at the CIA at the time. So, so one semester paid for. So you're like, mm-hmm. I'm going back to school. Like, how did how did mm-hmm. is that is that how it went? Pretty much, yeah. <laughs> but see, it's a it's a two year deal, and it's about sixty grand. So that was that was one semester, you know, out of five, you know. So, um, and also back then, it wasn't like it is now, where you can just apply, cut a check, you know, and boom, there you are. You know, I had to be um, vetted. You know, mm-hmm. and um, so they would send, they sent an alumni down, this very, very nice man, his name was Sal, to come down and interview me, um, interview my employer, you know, and see whether or not they felt like I was prepared to come up and be a student, culinary student of America. And so that took, it took, and I didn't have any money, <laughs> so I had to save, you know, and, yeah. um, uh, you know, as much as I could. So it, it took a while, maybe even a year. Uh-huh. So... Do you like that, that form of, I mean, because that's a lot different than today, like going to school today. Is that good? Like it's vetting great. somebody and like having it's great. the proper people there? Yeah, absolutely. Like why wouldn't it, why would it be any other way? I, I mean, I was, yeah. You know what I mean? But it is, but it is. It's, it's, everything's different now. You know, it's, it's dollars and cents. You know, if you go up to the Culinary Institute of America right now, you know, everything is sponsored. Yeah. The sidewalk is sponsored. The staircase is sponsored. You know what I mean? So it's just, it's not that that's good or bad. It's just the way it is. Yeah. They got, okay. bills, they got bills to pay. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? But, but back then, uh, you know, um, it, what it did was it, it kind of set the table for me as far as like, um, as I mentioned before, I wasn't a good student. Um, I didn't have, you know, very good discipline, but it set the table for me on, on when I arrived at, on campus to be prepared as to the best of my ability. Sure. And so I was a good student. Like I went up there and, and um, I worked a full-time job, uh, which was great. Uh, and, you know, I got to be a student at the Culinary Institute of America, which I think is a privilege. It opened a lot of doors for me. I met a lot of people. I got to travel. Yep. You know, I'd never really been anywhere. I was the first time on a plane, which is, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a hilarious story behind that one as well. But, um, you know, I put my <laughs> put my life in a trunk and, and then put it on a plane and then got to JFK and then the trunk came down like the chute or whatever else and everything came out and <laughs> like a beach, you know what I mean? Like a, just like a, just a red, a tie in redneck, like trying to put everything in his, in his trunk so he can figure out what to do next, you know, in this airport and that's funny. my first time flying. Um, but no, I mean the, the, the school, you know, I was prepared. That's, that's to answer your question. It yeah. Prepared me, which is what it should be like, you know, cause so much of cooking and hospitality, um, success lies in being prepared. It's true. It's true. I mean, uh, in anything you do, mm-hmm. 
in anything. You, you, you got to go in with the mindset of, you know what, let me extract as much info as I can from this experience, whether it's a, a meeting, an event, a conference, a school, you know, so I like that. So would, it sounds like you were like in a different mindset, like going up there. You were, you were ready to learn, right? Yeah, I was definitely excited. Um, I felt very, a lot of nerves. You know, I didn't want to blow it. Uh, you know, to a certain degree. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I wanted to see, I wanted to see what I could do, uh-huh. you know, whether or not this would be for me. Yeah. You know, at this point, I still wasn't sure. So what happens next? From uh, so, yeah, yeah. So I could, so I could just get to campus and, um, and Im- immediately, you know, I'm, I'm just in love with the atmosphere, the campus vibe, uh, the instructors, the proximity to Manhattan, um, you know, and, and the surrounding area. It's very, it's really pretty. I'm, it, CIA is up in the Catskill Mountain area. Uh-huh. Um, so you have, you know, obviously you have the city, which is an hour and a half away. You have uh, what, Socrates and Woodstock and all that. And some very, very beautiful country a few miles to the west. Uh-huh. Um, so I just loved it. You know, and I got away. Like, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd only known. I could only see the world, like, yeah, yeah, through, yeah, this, yeah. through this this, this optics. Yeah. Right? And um, and so I didn't, you know, I traveled for the first time. and It was amazing. Did you like New York? I, You know what? That experience in New York wasn't great. It was good, but not great because I never had any money, you know, to, you know, and, um, and my sister lived there, uh, she, and we had some good times together, but for me, like I wasn't going out, I wasn't eating, you know, and I, I, I was literally, you know, just trying to get by at the time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There were, I, I've had trips since then where, you know, I've been able to immerse myself in, in arts yeah, and food, um, you know, in the overall scene and, and enjoyed it very much. So nice. All right, so you go to school. You're up there for a couple of years. Yeah, you knock that out. Mm-hmm. Where does where does life take you? Where, where are you at? Well, I got to mention Lebec Finn okay. in Philadelphia. Okay, that's where I did my apprenticeship. So you go two semesters at CIA. The third semester is your apprenticeship. Okay. Four and five are back on campus. Okay, so I went to um, Lebec Finn in Philadelphia, which at that point was like the the French Laundry. Okay, uh, French restaurants, probably on the East Coast, but but so, it, so if if, if had if, quite if, a history. If people don't know. You know, French laundry or any, like what you know, like explain to the to the to the audience. I mean, these are like the, the standard the, standard bears of the best of the best, creme mm-hmm. de la creme, like the top. You know, uh, French laundries in California, California, Napa, and Napa, actually Yountville. So I mean, it's it's from what I've heard. I mean, absolutely spectacular, and so three Michelin stars for years. You know, they're the standard bears. You know, that is that is uh, you know the the gateway to um, you know excellence. In dining and service. Mm. And so you're at the East Coast, mm-hmm. right, version of that? Mm-hmm. What was that like? It was intense. It was intense. I mean, it was really, it was really, really intense. Like, intense enough to where I would park my car and I'd be five blocks away and I'd be nervous <laughs> five blocks away. You know, and um, and at this point, still, I am I'm still trying to figure things out. Yeah. You know, by no means am I even an accomplished cook, much yeah. less a chef. Yeah. Whatever that means. Yeah. Uh, you know, so I'm just, an, I'm an apprentice. Yeah. Doing apprentice things, you know, I'm I'm peeling tomatoes, I'm chopping chives, you know, I'm trying to assist all the while, um, learn as much as I can on the line. Did you learn a lot while you were there? I learned more there in six months than I did probably in two years at CIA. No kidding. Yeah, yeah, but that's that's the value in the education. Though. Just because it was practical, because you were there actually like on the front lines, like working and kind of seeing that. Correct. Yeah, and I mean, it was look, it was um, you know, it was it was a five diamond experience, you know, so nothing short of perfection would pass you know so that is that's a lot of it's a lot of things it's a lot of pressure uh you know you it's a lot of focus like you really just have to put your head down and go to work 
you know, and be willing, yeah, you know, to take some shit. Yeah, like, I took some shit, man. I took some a lot of shit. You know, there's there's a lot of stuff. They used to say what happens to Lebec Finn stays Lebec Finn, but I'll shit. You know what I mean? Like flying through the air. Um, you know, just the environment of uh, George Perrier was the chef there. He's he was loud. He made his presence known. You know, and, and if you made a mistake or, or sent something out that was subpar, didn't meet standards, he let you know it. A lot. <laughs> wow. A lot. And um, so anyway, so but. But, you know, but that's what you sign up for. So that's so there's no reason to bitch, complain or, or, or be anything, you know, indifferent about that particular situation. Is it how I run my kitchens now? No, it's not at all. Yeah. But I, th- I think it maybe gave you a, a, a sense of that standard. I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, I'm just listening. I've never been in that environment. I'm just listening to you talk about it. And I'm like, yeah, wow, like. I mean, this is perfection, excellence every single time, consistently, plate after plate. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, if it's not right, throw it out. Start again. Wow. But I've been doing this for four hours, chef. I don't care. Yeah. I don't give a fuck. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> this is the way it is. Yeah. If you don't like it, yeah. you know, thank you anyway. Yeah. <laughs> Who's next? Hit the door, yeah. Pretty much, yeah. Okay. All right. So mm-hmm. semester there, a ton of ton of learning, ton of experience. You know, you're you're – you know, on the front lines, learning from you know these these amazing chefs and 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 their presence, and so you go, you finish school, and then you stay in New York. You you go back to Myrtle Beach. How you know where does your story continue? So, so the Lebec thing is like you got to remember, like three years prior, four years prior, I was just on the beach, yeah, know, and um, you know, cooking for my dad or whatever. And so now I'm I'm in this restaurant in Philadelphia, so I'm getting it, uh, you know, a taste of um, possibilities you know, and potential, Yeah. you know, and so I wanted more of that. Yeah. So I went back to school. I graduated. Uh, the thing about the Culinary Institute of America is they graduate classes every three weeks, and then there's an incoming class every three weeks. So that's the rotation. My graduation date was December 19th, 1999. So it was the last class of that century, which yeah. is really cool. Yeah. You know, and um, so we, we did the graduation, and we drove <laughs> down, and, and soon after that, I was back at the CLNN in Myrtle Beach. Okay. Mm-hmm. To continue, um, they had assisted with some of the uh, tuition, so I had to come back and fulfill my obligation. Yeah, 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 yeah. So, like, as you're going through this process, are you like calling, calling dad and be like, "Dad, you like you can't believe where I like." I mean, is there any of like, could you even fathom? I mean, because I know you said just three years you were just, you know, on the beach surfing, and now you're at you know this. Uh, I mean, is there like any like? Or is there just so much going on? You don't even have time to, like, realize what's happening. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, it's it's the full spectrum of the experience and all the emotions that lie within the experience. You you know what I mean? Like, excitement, nervousness, fucking scared. Yeah. You know? um, Anxiety. like Yeah. yeah. Or ego. There's a lot of ego, you know, because at that point, you know, I had had, um, successfully completed my apprenticeship at Lebec Finn. Yeah. um, And I was invited back, which is really all you can ask for. If they don't invite you back, that means you probably didn't perform. Yeah. Um, so you don't get a plaque. You don't get a ribbon. It's like, hey, if you want a job, you can come back. Nice. You know, and um, and be a part of this. You know, my situation <coughs> was different because I already had obligations back in Myrtle. Sure, so sure. I didn't do that. But I was still very, very proud to be able to be, um, you know, a, a completing a successful apprenticeship. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, so then you graduate culinary school. And then there's, there's that part of you that's like, it's just like, of it's like default behavior or um you know personal expectations or or e- accumulated ego along the way is that you know that you're you have arrived yeah 
And, um, and so I can't deny, like, that was certainly part of it, you know. And so mm-hmm. I went back to Myrtle, Be- uh, Myrtle Beach and cooked for a uh, period of time. And then um, soon was, after that. Was the same chef there? He was there. Nice. Was there. Yeah. yeah, he was there. I'm sure he saw a huge transformation in you from a young a young kid not knowing, you know, just, you know, mom and pop restaurant, you know. I mean, yeah. and then now you just, I mean, I don't know. That, that's that's kind of cool, actually. It, it was cool. It, it was it, it was a good experience. Um, but I, I felt the sense uh, that I needed to be somewhere else. Yeah, move on. At the same time, yeah. And so I had this opportunity in Washington, D.C., so I went. Okay. And I went to D.C. And to a place called The Ledges. And a friend of mine from school was a sous chef there. I, uh-huh. I would be a line cook. And um, one of his friends uh, was chef owner. And so that was in 2001, right? And so How, we all know what happened in 2001. Yeah. Yeah, so I was up there for 9-11. And uh, and so while my what time was that in, like, well, while my time, well, that was everything just shut down. Everything just shut down. Where we lived was very very close to the Pentagon, so it was very scary, very scary. Um, you know, I mean, it was a lot of things. Yeah, it was a lot of things. You know, I, I I can put it to you this way: we we went to go and check on the restaurant the day of nine eleven. You know, we had a bunch of shellfish or something like that. We had to ice down. Yeah, the restaurant was in Virginia, Leesburg, Virginia, so it was about twenty minutes to the west of DC. Uh huh. Um, and I remember seeing going on um, a cloverleaf or getting on our exit or whatever and looking over and seeing the surface to air missile uh, within the cloverleaf itself, uh, like missile system set up or whatever. Yeah, yeah. You know, so that so that was like alarming. Wow. Mm-hmm. So you were in D.C. for how long? Uh, just about a year. Nice. Mm-hmm. How was that experience? What did you learn there? What did you get from that, from that, uh, that stop? Uh, I learned that <laughs> what I thought I knew, I didn't. You know, and, and there was so much work to be done, you know, and, and the chef that I thought I was, I wasn't. The line cook that I thought I was, I wasn't. Really? You know? Yeah, because, you you know, you see, like, these guys, you get to work alongside these guys that, are, that have been doing this uh, at a very high level for a long period of time. Yeah. You know, whether it's line cooking, the avenue of, uh, of ideas, the front of the house, you know, it's, it's like I'm watching all of this, you know, and taking all of it in, you know, and, of course, you can't help you know, as a young person or a young cook, you know, to measure yourself against what you're seeing, right? Yeah. You know, so it's clearly there's there's more work to be done, not in a way that it was, like, self-defeating or yeah. anything, but I was more inspired, and I wanted to, to be better. So it was a little a little humbling, but then also inspiring, like, okay, cool, like, I've got, it. yeah, I've, I've, gotten, I've got a different level in me. Yeah, yeah. I definitely. like that. I need it. I need it, you know, and, and I was at that point in my life where uh, I feel it now, where I was like, you know, bring it. I want, I want more. I want to be relentless about this. And so that's, you know, but all that stems back to, I think my childhood coming up in the restaurant, you know, and, um, even like being one of five kids, you know, like you, you know, you, you have to do what you got to do to get attention. You know what I mean? I had to do what I had to do to be able to cook next to my uncles and my dad and, uh, whoever's in the restaurant, yeah. you know, I had to do what I had to do, Yeah. you know, to move forward in life. And so that was, I, I felt the same way then. That's interesting. I, th- I think, I think it's, a. Uh something that people can draw from, you know what I mean? Cause you know, there's a lot of times that you can be maybe a big fish in a little pond and then, you know, you, uh, you know, you, you said something earlier that I thought was interesting that, you know, the more that you learn, the more that you kind of grow an ego about, uh, you said, you said something to that effect. And I'm like, that's, I never thought about that. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a good perspective, very good perspective on, you know, no matter what career you have industry you're in, you know, have a little piece of, uh, of of humble pie and just be like, all right, cool. You know what? There's there's different levels to everything. Mm-hmm. 
you know, and you can always learn and you can always push a little harder. And, you know, I like that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's no finish line in, co in cooking. There never will be. In it's anything, like there's no honestly. Finish, there's no finish line in, in sobriety. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so, um, you know, I didn't know any, I, I was, uh, you know, sober curious back then, but, um, and, and I bring it up now just because of the parallel, but yeah, I mean, I realized then and there, it was like, um, you know, I can do this. You know, I've just got to put my head down and go to work. You know, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm watching and I'm learning and, and um, all, you know, all the while I have this uh, internal like desire to get better as, as good as I get. Yeah. I like that. Okay. So you're in DC for about a year. You're learning, you're seeing there's levels to this, you know, I guess that was your first job after kind of school besides obviously, you know, the obligations you had back in Myrtle Beach. That was the big move. That, that, yeah, that was it. That yeah. was the, that was the big boy job, so to speak. Right. Yeah. That was the big move. And then, uh, our last shift because so after, obviously after nine 11, everything shut down in that whole area. Yeah. And so we, um, you know, we couldn't make it. So we made our last dinner service was new year's Eve, 2001. And so soon after that, I moved back to my, my, uh, hometown of Myrtle Beach. Okay. I was a waiter. <laughs> I went back and waited tables for my dad. Okay. You know, I, and um, again, a humbling experience, you know, until I could figure out what was next. You know, and of course, it, at that time, the whole country is like, um, you know, adjusting and at a, at a standstill. Yeah. I mean, it was, it was not a lot of opportunity. Um, not really, nobody was really even in the space to consider that. It's always, you know, at that point, it was like, we're, you know, assessing and, and doing our best to come together and heal. Yeah. I was, uh, I was in high school when that happened, and so I, I was old enough that I can understand and kind of like, okay, this is, yeah, the, this is kind of a big deal. You know what I mean? Because I mean, yeah. but okay, all right. So you're back home. What's uh, what's the next stop for uh, for Sam? Where, where you know? Well, you know, I, I met my children's mom. Okay, there, which is uh, I think it's a really cool part of my journey. You know, nine eleven, this this huge tragedy uh, on a national level and a global level. Yep. Um, you know, and everything kind of fell apart for me in D.C., but I moved back, and I wound up meeting their mom. Okay. You know, and, and now uh, we're not together anymore, but yep. um, we're co-parents, friends, and, and we have two beautiful children. Awesome. Yep, 17 and 13. Nice. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? So that, like, so without 9-11, you have to ask, <laughs> you know, yeah. would that have even happened? You know, and so um, so I have an immense amount of gratitude, you know, for, uh, you know, everything that happened the way it happened mm -hmm. and how it unfolded. And it also gave me... Uh, you know, this cool perspective that out of tragedy comes triumph, mm. right? And we can talk about that, you know, in 2020 later on sure. in this conversation. But yeah, yeah, out yeah. of tragedy comes triumph. 100%. I mean, when, you know, when one door closes, another one opens, kind of that same philosophy. So I like that. Okay. All right. So continuing, what's uh, what's next? So yes. DC, Myrtle Beach, then, then what? How do you... Uh... Well, I opened a restaurant called Aspen Grill. I was okay. there for about maybe a year. In Myrtle Beach? In Myrtle. Okay. You know, and then we moved to uh, Raleigh, I okay. pursued a position there. You know, at, at about this point, we really haven't touched on it, but um, but substance abuse had begun uh, consuming me, okay. consuming my life. Okay. You know, and this started at, at a, you know, I started drinking and using drugs at a very young age. Okay. You know, um, preteen. And, um, and so at this point, you know, it's getting out of hand. Sure. It's completely unmanageable. And um, Are you noticing it's un unmanageable? Oh, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. And so we went to D.C. Uh, I'm sorry. No, we went to Raleigh. Yeah. Or to Angus Barn. And that quickly uh, dissipated, you know, as a consequence of, of where I was and, yep. and the progressiveness of the disease that I believe I have. Yeah. Being alcoholic and an addict. Yeah. And uh, and so from there, I went to I went to treatment. OK. You know, so uh, so I went to treatment 
I went to uh, was a two-stop treatment center. <laughs> one was uh, one was in Raleigh, and another one was in the uh, you know in the mountains of North Carolina, called a uh, place called Hope Valley. Okay, and uh, you know at that point, um, Tracy and the kids moved to Charlotte. So that's really how I got to Charlotte. Okay, I went to treatment, and then I returned, you know, to be with them, you know, and and from there, um, you know, I began cooking in and around the city. Nice. So what uh, what was your first stop, or you know, what was your experience like working in Charlotte? You know, was it first stop was Dakotas, which is now New South. Okay, I worked for Chris, yeah, and his wife. Nice. Um, and it was a great experience. It was an absolutely wonderful experience, and um, it was exactly what I needed when I needed it. Nice. Mm-hmm. And then you were there for how long? I was there maybe about a year, maybe cool. a year and a half, you know, and then I moved on. I think I was with um, uh, Gene Briggs the, at Blue next uh, as, a, as a line cook and then a sous chef. Nice. And Blue, we also opened Table, which was in Ballantyne, and so I was part of the team, opening team there as well. Nice. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And then uh, after that? Then I moved on and got a job with Tom Condren with, the, with what was then the Harper's Group. Okay. It's now Burke Hospitality. At Upstream. So that was my first tenure at Upstream. So this is probably 2007. Okay. Yeah. And so I was there for, gosh, maybe six months, and I got promoted there to be the uh, chef de cuisine at ARPA, Spanish tapas restaurant that was in downtown. Okay. Yeah. Nice. And then uh, was that ex- how was that experience? How was that, you know, the promotion, being there with Tom? You know, how, how was that? How was that whole? The whole uh... Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, working with Tom, you know, I, I've, I take something from every chef that I work for. Uh-huh. You know, Chris was very blue-collar. Um, my dad's very blue-collar. Mike uh, McKinnon back at the Sea Island, um, he could do it all. He could really do it all. You know, so I was constantly, like, watching him, taking notes. Uh, when I got uh, to Upstream, uh, I got to work next to Tom Condren. Tom Condren would work from, like, 5 a.m., you know, until midnight and get up and do it again. Wow. And he, you know, it was a situation where he was, he was like this guy who was iconic in the city at the time. I think, you know, because of his success and and the restaurants that uh, he was able to helm, uh, but he was also very blue collar, you know? And so that was like um, the switch flipped on that, on my identity of who I wanted to be and how I want to go about being a chef. You know, did I want to be in the office? in charge of admin, holding clipboard, you know, sometimes cooking, or did I want to be in the middle of it? And and I'm super grateful for Tom because I wanted to be in the middle of it. I wouldn't want to fucking be anywhere else, man, you know? S- sounds like he had, I mean, the work ethic this guy's got mm-hmm. next level. I mean, five to midnight, like. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Wow. Tom's a madman. But uh, uh, a sweet person, uh, he took me under his wing. Nice. You know, my time at Upstream was, uh, as brief as it was, uh-huh. you know, I didn't have a lot of experience with uh, Japanese cooking, um, Chinese cooking, uh, or any of the Koreas, uh, even Thai. You know, so it was my first, like, I tiptoed into the waters of, you know, Asian cuisine. What was that like? Uh, you know, it can be overwhelming, to be honest with you. You know, but if you, I think, if, you know, if you approach it, things like that, things that are overwhelming, um, in increments, incrementally. Yeah. Um, then it helps a lot of um, the unknown makes sense. You know, so, you know, soy, you know, soy sauce, obviously, is salt, it's sodium. Yeah. You know, and it's, it's a liquid. But if you have mirin, which is a sweet wine, you know, then you have salt and you have sweet, you know, and then you have, you have uh, contrasting flavors. So that's whenever, that's, so that began the process of, of understanding flavor rather than following recipes. It was huge. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I didn't have a choice. You know, you have to figure this out. I like that. Yep. I like that. And so, and so now, like, my, um, 
I have recipes, but I don't cook by recipe. You know, I, I like ratios. And a lot of that began working for Tom at Upstream because nice. um, <clears throat> it forced me to understand what uh, the effects of, um, you know, the makeup of miso, for example, um, or different vinegars, different vinegars and fruit, um, you know, soy. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, so, yeah, yeah, so yeah. I developed this, this flavor compass that I nice. use now. It's very, very important. Nice. Okay. And uh, so let's, let's maybe fast forward. Now, you were upstream, mm -hmm. you know, up until last year? Uh, yeah. Okay. So, so yeah. So my second tenure at upstream was three years in the making. Okay. Mm -hmm. So I was there for about three years. Okay. Yeah. And so, um, yeah, so I was up until March of 2020. And then 2020 happens. Mm -hmm. We have the pandemic, mm -hmm. the restaurant industry took a absolute beating, especially fine dining, special, I mean, catering companies. If you're, I mean, if, I guess if you're not built for takeout, you know, you know, give us your perspective on kind of the last year. But, you know, I've seen working with restaurants, if you're not built for takeout, you, I mean, it really hurt. Yeah, you suffer. You, you know, suffer. and so, um, so, so give up, us. Upstream was a, you know, a fine dining restaurant and 2020 was looking, was shaping up to be our year. I know a lot of people say that, but it was really was shaping up to be our year. We nice. spent, you know, the two previous years putting together a management team, a service team. The food uh, was absolutely coming together. You know, we were getting some recognition. Yeah. I'd been on the Food Network, you yeah. know, so we had uh, a little bit of, you know, carryover recognition from, from that. Nice. And um, and also the shopping center, Phillips Place Shopping Center, was being renovated, and it became current. Yeah. You know, it was kind of dated. Yeah. And so we were all excited about 2020, but, um, you know, COVID had other plans. Yep. And, you know, my experience with that, it was this. Um, I wasn't dialed into COVID. I wasn't dialed into the pandemic. You know, I was dialed into upstream and, and yep. making sure that my restaurant – um, was headed in the right direction yep. on all levels. And so whenever all of that happened, I was completely caught off guard, you know, so it was very, very personally, very, very difficult situation for me. Yep. So, um, so the restaurant closes. Yeah. I mean, uh, that Sunday prior to, we had had a meeting, so we were going to close for lunch to save labor dollars, yep. you know, and, and, you know, to kind of tighten the reins a little bit, yep. you know, so we could weather ourselves through this situation. Sure. sure. And then by that Tuesday, I think it was Tuesday, uh, we'd close down. We're, it was over. It was, it was fucking over, man. You know, and, and, um, and so that was a really, really hard day. It was an extremely difficult day um, to bring in the entire staff um, and have this meeting. Um, you know, the, the people that, uh, that I'm responsible for. Sure. You know, and I had um, asked so much of, you know, for so long, you know, to partner, partner with me on this mission, uh, you know, to have to break the news to them that, Look, you know, we're gonna we're gonna shut this thing down, and we don't know when we're gonna open back up. We love you, and 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 I don't know what's gonna happen next. I, that that was the hardest part is just not having answers, you yeah. know, for the people that we care about, our yeah. team members, our yeah. family. It really was a family. hundred percent. Mm -hmm. I mean, and imagine how many of those conversations had to had to happen across the country, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that's a. I mean, it's you know, like I said, our our industry took a beating. It did, right? It did. So. Um, but you know, like like you said, you know, through 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 fire and through you know, there's always triumph through uh, you know what was the tragedy through tragedy. So mm -hmm. what happened? You well, know, at, you know, at this point, <clears throat> you know, I got to say I'm five years sober. Yeah. At this point, you know, so I have tools. Give us some insight on that. Tell us tell us about that. You know, so I mean, I know that's a huge victory, right? I would say so. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I'd struggled and um and I had periods periods of absence in my life, but no. Um, sustainable sobriety. Uh -huh. And um, and so by, <clears throat> gosh, by 2013, 2014, you know, I'd succumbed 
to my addiction. I'd, I'd left my family. I was on the street. I was a homeless person. You see, we see them all the time. Homeless populations <clears throat> is prevalent here in Charlotte. Now you yeah. see my intersection, and everything else. That was me. Right. And, um, as a consequence of my actions, you know, so that's, that's super important. So, um, so yeah, I mean, I, you know, I went to treatment. I was lucky enough to get into treatment in the fall of 2014. And, and from there I was able to, um, you know, find a, a program, not find a program, but apply myself to a program, you know, that I, I was unable to apply myself to prior to, and, and um, you know, and, and I found sobriety. Nice. Yeah. But I mean, the biggest thing for me on that, uh, you know, and is to, worth mentioning is that that had to be my number one priority. Mm. So I don't identify as a chef. I don't I even identify as a parent as much as I love my kids, uh, identify as a sober person, mm. you know, and from there, everything else, uh, we kind of touched on this earlier. Yep. Everything else is on the table, you know, and 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 um, I'm getting results. Love that know, by that approach. Love you know, that. I have a great relationship with my children. I have um, obviously a great relationship um, with cooking, with food, um, you know, and a lot of. Uh, I'm just so glad I didn't write my own script. Yeah, you know what I mean. I say yep. that all the time, but I'm so glad I didn't write my own script because uh, you know the the life I envisioned for myself living sober six years ago. Uh, wouldn't hold a, a candle to the life that I have now, you know, and all the doors that have opened up and opportunities and, and um, you know, and the possibilities for the future. That's a really good uh, suggestion and thought process for anybody listening to this, right? Yeah. Don't write your own. I mean, you don't, I mean, you, you don't know how good life can be. You don't. I mean, you really don't. You, you, you don't, you know, and the cool thing about that, <laughs> you know, uh, on like the spiritual angle or, you know, that inner dialogue that we have with ourselves sometimes um, is that it's okay to be wrong. You know, I was just, I was wrong about so many things, you know, and, and, I, and for, I spent my life not wanting to be wrong. I wanted to be right, you know, and so I found a lot of comfort, safety, and security and, and the fact that I can be wrong and the sky won't fall, and, you know, and you know what I mean? And yeah. I'll lose everything. It was okay to be wrong. And so now, you know, when I'm wrong, I'm, you know, I have my own personal resume to reflect on and, and, and you know, and, and know and, and have faith that it's okay to be wrong. Man. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we learn so much from being wrong, you know, and, and grow. I mean, you learn more from your failures, or, you know, than you do from your successes. Um, I remember reading a uh, a spiritual book many, many years ago, and I remember saying just some things you just won't get and you won't understand. And so it's okay to have a filing cabinet with a folder in it that's actually labeled, I don't know. That's right. And like, like I, I just, I, I don't understand this. Just put it in there, close the cabinet, and you're good. Keep, you know, keep plugging away. And I was like, yeah. you know what? That's interesting. Like that's like that happens a lot. Like you just you don't know why this happened or why did this happen to me or why you know why mine this. Okay, hey, we don't know. Put in that folder, close close the cabinet and keep plugging away. You know that's what I mean? Right. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, yeah. And yeah. So um, you know, back to to March of two thousand twenty. Sure. Um, you know, I have my family to to thank, and even especially my sisters. You know, I have four sisters. Shout out to the sisters. Shout out to the sisters. Right. <laughs> um. You know that have um, have hustled. We all had to hustle. That's awesome. You know, I mean, we had this we had this great family opportunity, but it wasn't always wonderful. You know, so we we all had to hustle and and, and find our way through life, and and so it was cool to have a front row seat to such amazing people um, that have been so influential to me. Love that. You know, and and um and so whenever I was furloughed, uh, you know, I went straight to Amazon, <laughs> the warehouse, yeah, and got a job. Nice. There. And, um, and I was the last person that day I brought my son with me. I mean, it was a scene. There was a line around the corner, 
you know, and you got to understand at this point, I don't know how long COVID's going to last. Yeah. You know, all I know is None of us I'm do. able. Yeah. You know, I want to work. I don't want to go on unemployment. I don't fucking want to check. Yeah. You know what I mean? I, I want to be able to earn my way through life. And, um, you know, and I, and wow, I, I joke that. all the time that um, I just gotten my daughter Invisalign. And, you know, and I, and I would cry thinking about uh, having to turn <laughs> this line back in and let her down, you know, because I, you know, I was away from them for so long. Yeah. And, you know, and here I'm back in their life and, and all they want, you know, is and deserve is, you know, stability. And, yeah. and so anyway, so that was, but that was, um, that was my thought process, man. I wanted to keep the lights on in my apartment not get my car obsessed, pay my daughter's Invisalign bill, you know, and um, see what happens next. So I got a job at Amazon, but here's the thing with Amazon. Amazon couldn't start me for two weeks. Yeah. So that's March uh, 17th, I think. And so they couldn't start me for two weeks. Had they started me that day, we wouldn't be sitting here right now, I guarantee mm. you. So uh, within that two-week period, um, I was at, a, I think maybe even the next night, I was at a friend's house cooking. I had some some great, uh, had a great steak, and I had a bunch of vegetables from the farm. And so I'm grilling, I'm looking at the vegetables, I'm looking at the steak, and I'm like, why can't I just cook for people? If I could cook for, uh, you know, uh, if, I, if I made three meals, uh, no, 10 meals a day, three courses each, um, you know, I could pay my bills, you know, until upstream opened back up. And so that was the genesis. That was the very beginning of your farm's your table, you know? And, and so anyway, so, so that, that's how the business that I have now started. Your farm's your table. It was, it was a sunny afternoon. I, I remember everything about that day where I'm cooking, I'm grilling and I'm like, the wheels are spinning and I'm like, how, what is next? You know what I mean? Like, you know, how, really, how can I serve? Yeah. Um, and I got to say this too, like, uh, a farmer, friend of mine, Isaac from Harmony Ridge Farms, had, had called, reached out, <clears throat> and was um, just desperate. You know, he didn't know what he was going to do. He just lost 26 wholesale accounts in downtown Charlotte and in the, the, the surrounding areas. He had a season full, full of crops. And, um, and, you know, he just didn't know what his next step was going to be. And he was very fearful, very, very fearful of the future. And so <clears throat> taking that in consideration, I knew that, you know, being a sober person, service, is vital. And so, uh, so the, I, I guess the next step kind of came naturally, you know, from, um, being a part of the life I live now. Yeah. You know, so I, so it was a cool opportunity to, to, uh, serve my community, um, keep the farmers and, um, you know, the people, my clientele from upstream or, or wherever connected through this thing and, um, you know, and see what we can do about it. I mean, there. There was so much right there that I love to unpack. I mean, that that was, um, I mean, just number one, number one for everybody listening to this, you know, if you if you want to succeed, you just F, the first thing you have to have is you have to have desire to succeed. I mean, you wanted nothing else but to make sure that you earned everything and that you were going to pay your bills and not, and the stability in your life would continue so much so that you were like, I don't care what I got to do. Amazon, cook, doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. This is happening. Mm -hmm. And I think there's so much people can draw from that. Mm -hmm. um, that, you know, I mean, maybe you are in a little, a little valley right now and you're listening to this. You know what? If you have a desire to get out of it, you will. You can. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's one thing that sobriety has taught me is to be accountable. Mm. You know, we have to be accountable, you know, and, and so <clears throat> I know that, you know, and, and I think once you know that you can't really unknow that you can try to, but you can't unknow that, you know, and, and so as fluid as that situation was early on, you know, in, in uh, this second half of March, 
all I knew was that, <clears throat> you know, there's got to be something out there. We've got to, we've got to do something. Um, you know, and I knew that I could cook, you know, and I knew that, that people were probably going to need meals. And I knew that the farmers and local suppliers needed support. And also there's this Chick-fil-A near my house. And, um, and so I would, every day I would ride by this Chick-fil-A and I would see this line of cars waiting to go in their double or triple drive through whatever, whatever yep. it was, yep. you know, and I, and I would just see that. And, I, and as a parent, as a member of our community, you know, as a sober person, you know, and I, that was, that lit a fire in me that, um, you know, I still have to this day as far as like, um, you know, just being relentless about uh, the the mission of community service and, and recovery yeah. in the community through food. Yeah. And, and if Chick-fil-A can do it, you can do it. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but no means like on, like from the perspective of an activist, you know, I, I can reach people through food. That's, sure. That's, that's what I do. That's really the only thing I can do. I you love know, that. So that, so that was, um, that was the direction that was shown to me and, and all I had to do was really be able to be receptive to receive the message. Love that. So let's talk about, uh, mm -hmm. you says your, your, your farms, your table. farms, your table, mm -hmm. and that's your website. That's my business. Your, your business that is my website and your website. And so, and explain to the audience what exactly you do if they want to find out more or if they want to, you know, eat some of the amazing meals from chef Sam, what, what, what exactly, mm -hmm. uh, are you doing right now? Well, okay. From the beginning, it was, um, we, we work six days a week, cook six days a week. The menu changes every day. And the reason why the menu changes every day is because if we're going to support the farmers, like we say we do, like a lot of people say they do, sure. You know, I can't corner them on one or two, three, four or five, six ingredients. Mm. You know what I mean? Like I want That's to be able point. to support them without strings attached to it. So you grow yeah. whatever it is you grow. I'll come to you, your farm. I have a voice now because, um, you know, I've been a chef in Charlotte and I've yep. been on the food network. You know what I mean? So I want to tell your story. I want to know more about you. I want to know, uh, you know, what's your daily life like? How long you've been doing this? Yeah. Why, you know, why, do you, why do you grow this? Yeah. You know, and, and yeah. so anyway, so all of that's encompassing, you know, in the food and how I cook it and the reason why the menu changes every day. So the menu changes every day, Monday through uh, Saturday. Um, we do three courses for 30 bucks. So I ripped that off of restaurant week, you know, and, um, but more than that, it's it's I want whatever it is I do to be all inclusive. If I'm going to be community, right, and um and I can serve Myers Park, I also want to be able to serve the west side of Charlotte. Yeah, you know, or uh, or any other um, potentially underprivileged neighborhoods and, and clientele. You know, so yep. if, if if I'm going to do this, then and I'm going to be all about community, then I have to be all about the whole community and not just like, um, you know, from this. Um, you know, profit-based motivation. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, yeah. like it has to be, I want anybody and everybody to enjoy what we do. Yeah. So if they want to place orders, where do they go? Oh, they go to my website, Your Farms, Your Table. Your Farms, Your Table. If mm -hmm. you want to support uh, Sam and his mission and, and, and his cause and what he's doing, uh, you can place your orders, mm -hmm. right? And then they'll deliver, you'll deliver it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's that's another thing too is, um, yeah, I mean, we, we, we cook it. We box it. We deliver it safely. We can even do contactless delivery um, to your door. So, um, so you know, in this in this era of COVID and quarantine and safety, um, you know, we're going to bring a community. You know, we're going to bring you um, a message through food. You know, we're going to try to keep you connected. Yeah, our local suppliers that we need uh, desperately to be around uh, whenever we get through this thing. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. I love that. I love that, Sam. As we wrap up, parting thoughts, man. What are your thoughts, you know, to 
business owners, entrepreneurs out there, you know, what, what, what would you say to them? What encouragement, inspiration, um, you know, I'll put it back in your court. Parting thoughts. What, you know, what do you think? Yeah. I mean, I, I think it's all about intention. You know, what is your intention? Is your intention to make money or is your intention to serve? You know, my intention is to serve, you know, and, 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 and that's been very fruitful for us, you know, as, along the way, you know, as we learn, we've grown, um, and we've been able to expand, you know, so our intention is not, I've been, I left corporate and I will not return to corporate, you know, and, and so my intention is not to make money. My intention is to serve. And so really it's all about intention. Like, you know, are you passionate about what you do? You know, if not, you might want to look into that. But if you are passionate about what you do, then, then be passionate about what you do and not passionate about the bottom line, you know, and I think you'll find, uh, unlimited success that way. Love that. Love that. Brother, thank you. Thank I think you. I think this was amazing. Hope you guys uh, enjoyed. What a story. What a background. I, I mean, there is so much. You know, we've been here uh, about an hour, and I'm like, we probably could talk for another hour on sure. just, I mean, we could, we could just, but we got to go work. We got we, we got stuff to do, but I uh, hope you guys uh, enjoyed it. Absolutely amazing. Chef Sam Dimonich. Uh, with uh, his company and his business, support him, find him, uh, Instagram, you know, um, on the different platforms. At Chef Sam Dimonich. At, Se- at, Chef, uh, at Chef Sam Dimonich. Find him, follow him. Uh, he's doing some big things. He's doing some big things. And so uh, episode 27 in the books. I think this was amazing. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, like, comment, subscribe, share, man. If you if you haven't subscribed already, what are y'all thinking? What's going on right now? Do it. Hit the little button. Um, anyway, like all the YouTubers say, right? Hit the little the little bell. But uh, anyway, I love it. Appreciate it so much. And you guys have an absolutely amazing rest of your day. Thank you. Thank you.